Welcome to Exploring Creativity. Our goal is to inspire, educate, and provide a community for creative people all over the world. On this podcast, we explore a variety of topics with a multifaceted group of creative people. We explore these topics in hopes of broadening your perspective and giving you the tools you need to do your very best work. Today I'm speaking with John Castelli. John is a mixing engineer. Together we explored the nervous system, using limits within your creative process, wielding inspiration, and so much more. It was a great conversation with a great friend, and I'm super excited for you to hear it. Good afternoon. Got a cool announcement. Two announcements, actually. And um, we're going to be talking about some things. Yo, dog. Good morning. Well, good morning, dude. Um, announcement number one. I got a COVID vaccine. First one. Same. It's my first one today. And you did too. So that's a second announcement. Um, well, I have both. I have two shots. Yeah. You got both. Today? You got the second no, one? No, February. Oh, okay. Cool. Dude, yeah, head, head of the game. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm feeling okay right now. Like, yeah. But I feel a little like a little something. Yeah. But uh, it'll be more so after the second shot. The first shot, yeah, I should feel a little weird. Second shot, it was a whole day down, but only one yeah. day. I was there. I mean, I saw you going yeah, through it. Yeah. I uh, not do the podcast. It was awful. That's what I figure it's going to be like. So I, I prepared like three days of like just in case time. Um, what if we do a whole live where I'm just like this the whole time? Mm-hmm. It's like a mask, but it's a coffee cup. Only, only if you make that sipping noise you did. There it is. Hope everyone heard that. <laughs> um, so I'm so glad. It seems like a lot of your uh, your followers are joining. Um, we're going to go into every single thing John does when he mixes. Yep. Uh, all yep. the secrets are going to come out today. So mm-hmm. get ready for it. That's what all to do when mixing records. How to mix. No, play, uh, I play the entire thing in reverse. Make all your decisions while mixing mm-hmm. in reverse. And then flip look at back. the perfect mix. Flip it back over. It's done first mix that's his secret guys so yeah i mix in you, reverse you could leave the chat now if that's all you yeah. wanted yeah that's the secret snibbington i like that handle welcome snibbington um what do we yes. got today so today it'll be fun i think these uh lives are getting a little more structured because the last two i was like yo i want to write a book on process and i've been all about it and my nerdy brain is like, what are all the details? The fucking little this, that, how do you do this? And that huge mind map kind of came from that. And then Rory's like, dude, I listened to your live with Nathan. Um, you should write a book about process and not use the word process. And I'm like, motherfucker, that's amazing. He's like, you write it for me since I don't care about this. I don't want to hear about it. I wouldn't buy the book. So make me something that I would buy. And he's a hard dude to please, as we know. So uh, I was up for the challenge. And so after that call, we came up with like three or four chapter titles and topics. Mm. And then I just sat down last night or no, two nights ago and wrote 26 chapter titles and topics. And what I realized was I'm actually not writing about process, really. I'm writing about the create creative work and sort of my journey through it. Um mm-hmm the sort of different areas that were like things I didn't know I needed to know then I learned. And then that informed the process, but aren't like the process itself and the nuts and bolts around process. 
So what I want to do, there's some parts where I've encoded, you know, things in the chapters without using the word process. You're but using the word process right now. I'm using it now, but I will not be in the book. I'll have my editor, uh, command F and delete all, uh, all. The- <laughs> so, um, that'd yeah, be really funny. To- that'd be really funny. Actually, if you command F and delete, but it's blank space, but it's still in yeah. the type format, but it's just, oh shit. Fill in that's the odd. blank. That's odd. Um, so I want to dive into a few topics that I'd written about. Yeah. And just hear you riff on them. You know, really what this is right now, I'm kind of using these to obviously introduce people that I know to my community, me being introduced to other people's, and then uh, finding common ground on things, finding differences in things. Uh, thank you for the hair compliment. I appreciate that. Uh, totally agree. Great hair. <laughs> a lot of hair. Great. Um I wanted to kind of hear your take on it. So a lot yep. of it's just like, yeah, man, just riff, you know? So Let's go. one, um, actually, let me preface by just saying, I actually am not allergic to the word process. Like, mm-hmm. like Rory is, yeah. I didn't know that was the word for what I had been, um, establishing in, mm-hmm. in my workflow. I didn't realize that process was even that important. And I actually like having a word for it. If there's a better word for it mm-hmm. that you can come up with and write this book on, I'm all about that as well, because words like that, that are so specific and and simplistic, um, I don't always think, uh, you know, kind of um, demonstrate what we're actually talking about, because you're talking about informing the process. Mm-hmm. You're talking about what it means to flow creatively and there are things mm-hmm. that can benefit the, in the long term by figuring out in the beginning. And that's process uh, from from organization to um, to uh, discipline. Um, anyway, so I just want to say I'm not allergic to the word, but I didn't even know it was a thing mm-hmm. um, because this is def- definitely the more corporate sphere of like, well, what's what's your process when you get to at X point? um uh, of company size, how do we, uh, how do we, um, scale this up? And, you know, this is not things that creatives that are only in the room by themselves most mm-hmm. of the time even think about. And if they do, that's great, but mm-hmm. maybe they don't have the vocabulary for it. So I like the idea of finding a vocabulary and a vernacular for, um, creative process. Um, uh, and I'll just omit the word process from my own sentence. That's, that's interesting. And, and I'm not against uh, using it. I ju- do think it's an interesting exercise in the book to not use it, but I agree. I think I do have a chapter called Words Make Worlds, which is something yes. I got from the On Being podcast. And I think knowing the words, um, John will not be showing his studio. Uh, this is not that kind of time. You're seeing it. You're seeing it. Look, yeah, no, I'm in yeah. it. I'm in it. <laughs> Here he is. That's it. <laughs> no speakers, no computer. He yeah, just yeah, yeah. thinks the mix. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, this idea of, um, you know, finding the word for it contextualizes what you're doing and sort of packages it somewhere where now you can use that and talk about this thing. Um, and it works in the background. Yeah, I like the idea that as a solo person versus someone that's dependent upon other people in a corporate space, you kind of, in a corporate space, there's multiple people. I know where I'm at on the chain. I know where I'm at in the process. When you're working independently by yourself, granted, you're part of a, a larger process. You're not thinking about it as much because the people that work right next to you, there's not 50 people working right next to you. Um, so <laughs> I hope they're joking. Um, they're not joking. Yeah. Yeah. So let me preface this all by saying this is not a conversation about mixing. Uh, the word mixing might not even be mentioned today. 
I also to answer exist. that question, I don't. I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a conversation around a book that I'm working on about creative work, uh, creative workflow, things that I've learned. And I want to pick John's brain about that specifically. Um, there will be no mixed tips. Uh, I get bored with engineering talk pretty quickly. So just a preface. Um, so the I first, do I have three, four, five, six. I have six different topics I want to cover. We might not. I'm going to read them to you. I want to hear what you're most excited to talk about cool. and then just riff. Cool. One is creative limits. One is uh, the nervous system and how it relates. I knew that would be a, a, a smile from you. <laughs> um, one title is called This Isn't About You and it's about feedback. Uh, one is about play. One is about momentum. And one is about using inspiration effectively um, and not as a way to sort of defeat your inspiration, but to accelerate your inspiration. Uh, you could start anywhere. I like all of them. Uh, you pick, oh. just not the last one. All right, so let's go with the last one. <laughs> How do you, I'm curious though, what is, I know you're, you've been saying recently on the podcast, not a lot of music has been inspiring you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm inspired by conversations with people about mm. creativity and um, about poetry, uh, David White, about pre mm. being present. Um, I'm inspired by cooking, you know, having a, having a black, uh, a black cod sable fish fall apart in my mouth is way more, mm. um, inspiring. And the, the care it takes to make a fish do that is way more inspiring to me than an overcompressed pop song with a nagging vocal in the high mid range yelling at me to listen to the words. I just right. have adverse effects to telling me what to do. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm, I really love doing things when I'm not told what to do. Yeah. So I'll lean in and I'll listen to your song if it's compelling, if it's dynamic, if it's interesting, um, if it's inviting me to. And that's the same thing with a great dish. There's subtleties. Um, uh, you know, I had a had a, a short rib last night with grilled figs and the grilled fig was so subtle. And it's like, oh, I'll eat the fig because it's 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 not telling me you have to eat this fig. It's in the sauce that was on spread upon and then glazed on the short rib in order to um, be some sort of barbecue crisp at the end. So it was a barbecued short rib, kind of, but it really, mm. you know, was a new approach. That's inspiring. Yeah. Uh, so I'll take that into the mix process and I will try to do something that one has heard before in a different way. And then by default, it'll feel slightly different, right. um, which we talked about on the podcast last week that that's kind of how I've always been doing it, right? Like mm -hmm. Googling uh, before YouTube, if everybody didn't listen to our conversations episode last week, uh, th this is a, this is a takeaway. Um, I, I've been Googling and I've heard what people have done. I've done it the way they've done it to understand why they did it. And then I do it another way. And I found my own way in. It's not because I didn't like their way. I want to, I respect, understand their way. That's their way. It's not my way. Can't be my way if it's already their way. So we have to find our own way in. I'm not going to make that exact short rib, but I've made for you, Michael, and for Spider, I've made a lamb belly with a very similar um, glaze with pomegranate molasses and burnt it. So I've understood that technique already. And then this last night's dinner blew my mind because I was like, oh, that's what I was going for. This is what it needs mm -hmm. to be. It needs to be done on a grill, though. I don't have a grill. Mm -hmm. I have to do it my own way. Definitely right? so need the grill. Right. So there's, but there's, there's, there's tools, right? So yeah. we talk about mixed, mixed tricks, like 
that's not as important. The tool and understanding how to use the tool is important when to use the tool, when to implement it is important. But understanding what's inspiring the the outcome is really um, where my where my head's mm. at. So I'm inspired by food most nice. of the time. I like this. There's a few things here. There's this idea of analogous solutions uh, that um, uh, is spoken about in the book Lateral Thinking by Edward de Bono. Mm-hmm. He talks about looking for analogous solutions when solving problems. So if we say that making a mix or designing a design is solving a problem in some way, addressing something that's not there, uh, one way to do so is to look analogously rather than what are the best mixes of all time? Uh, instead, look analogously because what that forces you to do is what you're saying. You're abstracting it at a certain level. So yeah, you're looking, you're abstracting what made that dish important for you. You said the word subtlety and then taking subtlety and and seeing how it's used on your tongue and then translating that to your ears and yeah. using that sort of analogous solution to find your own way in where it's not like, well, what did John Castelli over here do? I'm going to copy that exactly. I'm going to look at what he's inspired by and maybe see if there's something I'm inspired by that isn't cooking. Maybe yeah. it's skateboarding. And I'm going to use that and and, and employ some metaphors there. Um, I think I, I think, have a... Yeah. No, keep, go going, keep going. Well, I think what makes something great is there, it's kind of universal. I mean, that book, Universal Principles of Design, I love it because it's like a lot of this shit is universal. Feedback loops are not just for design or just for relationships. They're like, for a million things. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think I have a, um, a a certain balance of contrarian nature to um to openness that I come at things like, oh, that's cool, but I think I can do it better. Like there's a certain competitive, like, mm, I'm kind of skeptical of why you did it that way. Uh, mm. but I'm not overly contrarian where it like defines my personality that things can always be better. Like I really love what things can like last night. I wasn't mm. eating this short rib thinking to myself, well, if only they did this, it was like, that's mm. a perfect dish. That is mm. a perfect dish. Could it be different? Of course it could. Right. But I've also um, never had, um, I mean, I've never been to Peru, but this is Peruvian cuisine. And I was, I was looking at it like, okay, well, what makes Peruvian cuisine um, different than, than Mexican food, right? Because Mexican mm. food, they had ceviches, but there were different kinds of peppers being used and it was spicier and mm. the sauces were not only citrus. Like, let's lean in and understand why, what, what is now I'm going to go down a deep dive today about Peruvian cuisine because I'm really curious. Mm. Uh, they were using different beans and uh, things that I'm not too familiar with. And I, I thought that was interesting. And like, I, I want to come at things always understanding why, but then just doing it different because I want to do mm. things different. And it's not and my way of being different is not going to be different than everybody. It's going to be different right. than what I heard, right? Mm. I can't, mm. Every, mm. nothing, mm. nothing is, nothing's, um, everything's been done. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's not, when, when I say I don't compress on a mix, it's not because I don't, I don't want to compress. I mean, a lot of times it is, I'm trying, but I'm trying to figure out another way to get the desired result because I'm just pushing myself to experiment creatively in other ways to get certain energy. I can compress and get the job done really easily. That's fine too. But I don't want to do that. Like I was just, I never listened to the radio and I was listening to the radio on the way to dinner um, the other night, on, on Monday night, just to hear, because I have, I have a song that's like on the radio. I haven't heard it yet. I don't know how it sounds on the radio. And I only get like one to three songs on the radio a year at my point in my career. 
and I, it's, I never listen to the radio, I listen to podcasts when I'm in the car. So I put it on and this like five seconds of summer song came on. It was just so compressed. And I was like, mm. this sounds terrible to me, but I yeah. understand the energy that they were going for. So I'm not going, I respect it. I respect right. the use of this and the implementation of this tool for mm. this purpose. Mm. I think I can get that same energy in another way. That's right. how my brain works. I'm not like, I hate this. I understand it. I don't mm. choose to do it myself. That's right. a taste thing. That has nothing to do with better or worse than the other. Right. I love that. I love what you just said. Not different than everyone else. Different than what I heard. And like the the means of which you get there is through recognizing what is good. Oh, okay, they were trying to get energy. How can I get energy another way? You're not, not getting energy. You're not like, fuck that. If they got energy and it sounded bad, I'm not going to get energy because it sounded bad. You're saying, I want to do it and do it in a way that suits me and my aesthetic. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. So when you're talking um, about the word, and I know we're omitting it from the book, but we could talk mm -hmm. about it in the conversation, that's my process. My process yeah. is mm. what is the energy that is being sought after in this song, um, in this meal, in this piece of art in this photo whatever it is like i'm talking about it from sonically but these are universal mm. concepts once yep. again um how do i do it another way not just for the sake of doing another way but because we have a different aesthetic i have a different aesthetic so i right. interpret things differently that's just it's that that's the process and it's interesting because i mean like your body is a system your body of work is a system there are things that would sound so outside of it and incongruent with what you're doing that it wouldn't even make sense to insert this type of use of compression or this use of reverb in your aesthetic. So like, it's almost like the benefit of going your own way, but still being inspired, like you're saying, is that it compounds on itself. And then you're continually like figuring out how to integrate new inspiration rather than being like, this designer's dope, how do I do that for this client's logo? It's like, no, how do I take the parts that I love? Like Aaron Draplin, for example, one of my favorite things that he does as a designer is use of thick lines, mm -hmm. very thick. They're like 40 to 50 pixels thick. Like they're fucking thick. Okay. And I'm like, I like them because they say something like you, when you make a move there, it's pretty pronounced. Like, you know, it happens. So then yeah, to me, you it's can't like, be subtle with that thickness at all. Right. And so I'm like, how can I do that? But I don't want to do that exactly. So then for the hit lab, I'm working on their stuff and we're using a lot of line work. So I'm like, well, let me like increase the size of that and really commit to these thicker lines, but integrate them in a way that's more illustrative and in a way that uses, maybe it's not iconic. It's not an icon per se that's being done. So like, Looking at the analogy, figuring out how to integrate its continual process rather than being like, what would Draplin do on the Hit Labs design? Which hate is a that. whole different approach because it will never be mine. And I hate very little, like but to, do, to say that means that you are discrediting the value that you're bringing to mm. the table because mm -hmm. it's what you would do. Yep. You're, by, you're in, the set, in, the, in the conversation of process and the, the example that I was, I was using about my process where I do listen mm -hmm. And I understand, and then I choose to do it my own way. That's without words. That's intuition. That's taste. Yeah. It's just intuitive. Mm -hmm. If you start bringing other people into the conversation, saying so you're collaborating and you're, well, what would it, what would Prince do in this moment? It's like, well, Prince is dead. Yeah. He's had his moment. He's not doing He's anything. He's not doing anything. So, but can I be inspired by that, by that era, mm -hmm. by the, 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 
the the sparseness of a guitar part by the thickness of a line? Yes, mm. of course, mm. because that's taste. And that's the time that we've spent understanding a wide variety of creative input mm. and, and perspective. And I would, if, if, if anybody said to me, can you just do what Serban did? I would probably pass on the project if that was mm -hmm. in the email. You would definitely notes. pass. I'd pass. <laughs> like, no, I, I wouldn't, actually, I wouldn't pass. I would say, if you want that, go hire him. Right. He's great for mm -hmm. what he does. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do something different. It might have similarities because I'm inspired by him. Right. It might have a similar width, a similar warmth, a similar mm -hmm. connection, but it's not going to be him and it never will be. Right. If you're doing it right. Yes, exactly. Subjectively, what we're saying is right. If you're doing yeah. it right and you're honoring inspiration and you're wielding inspiration, which is the name of the chapter, um, mm. in a way that is actually wielded properly. It's not, we were talking about it in an art club. Someone was saying how inspiration is uninspiring to them. It actually hurts them. It hurts their process because of the way they're looking at it. And I thought that was very interesting. It's like, is inspiration inspiring you is a question, you know? And there's ways where it can take away. If you're a musician and you're listening to Prince and you're like, how can I be like Prince? It's going to uninspire you. Hold on. But then it's not inspiration. True. You can't use True. that word. True. That's fair. That's a very good point. But I think people are using the word and looking at a thing and being like, now I feel worse about myself. It's like, no, no, no. That shouldn't be what it is. It's about finding ways to integrate it. Well, that, yeah, that would mean that that's a negative input. That is um, some sort of um, um, some sort of insecurity thinking that they're not, that, that they're better than you. What you just did is better mm -hmm. than what you're capable mm -hmm. of doing. Mm -hmm. That's, that's anti-inspiration. That's right. gotta be, that's gotta be a word yeah. for that because. Yeah. What is it? You got, you got the dictionary now. I got the dictionary. <laughs> it's, it's, it's near the sofa. Um, I, I used it yesterday before my live with Matt Rags that we're going to yeah. talk about compressions. I wrote the compression uh, definition down oh, and, no way. and to compress. Anyway, so for next week, uh, Tuesday, I'm, I'm really excited about using the dictionary. But okay. I, I think that's anti-inspiration. The, mm. uh, the idea that you would get something positive from and then uh, be able to gain perspective and use it is, is inspiration. And, and again, I do actually wish I should have had the dictionary on the table before this conversation with you, knowingly, obviously. But I just got out of the shower after playing tennis all morning and I right on time with a cup of coffee in my That's hand. That's fine, man. So let's uh, do another one. Sure. Uh, actually, good. I'll see you tonight. <laughs> oh, you mean another one? Oh, yeah. yeah. And another live. We'll do that <laughs> too. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, let's hit another one. I love that. I, I like starting where you didn't want to start because we got a lot of meat out of that. I think, yeah. you know, Mike just commented, I feel that. And I know him and I have spoken about this. It's like, I love what you said. It's not inspiration. If that's how it's being integrated in your body and your nervous system and your mind and your work, it's not actually inspiration if it's not inspiring you. Yeah. Um, so should we jump to nervous system since you said Let's it? jump to nervous system. Sure. Yeah. I've been thinking about that a lot. You know, Nathan, uh, I was super psyched to talk about with Nathan last week because I'm like, he's process master. We're going to fucking go in. We're going to talk about process the whole time. He's going to have all this wisdom. And all he wanted to do was talk about um, uh, intuition. And I was like, amazing. Because I, there's dissonance. I was ready, I was primed to be talking about process. How do you integrate intuition? Where does intuition sit in the body? Um, and through this thread of kind of studying inspiration and thinking about it, um, the nervous system is clearly related here. Um, there is, it can help hurt 
accelerate, decelerate your process. And I know you've been meditating a lot. I know you've been studying your your boy Huberman, uh, wondering what you're thinking about the engaging your nervous system and using it um, to help instead of hurt. I mean, it's everything. Without so, yeah. a nervous Next without a topic. Nervous. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, uh, again, not being actually had a, a nice uh, chat with Ingmar yesterday. We had a song to mix together, which was, mm. which was fun. Sick. After my lives with Matt Rad. And, you know, I was talking about wishing, in, in a sense, wishing I can go back in time, which I don't really ever feel. But I would, mm. if I got a chance to go back in time and do something else besides music, I would do neuroscience. Mm. And we were actually talking about how actually there's probably a way to collaborate with um with a neuroscientist uh, on some of these um like topics like demolitis that we talk about and audio memory and um nervous system response to music would probably be the way I'd want yeah. to go go into this so almost to become some sort of expert on how to trigger the uh, a certain emotional response I talked about colors with yep. Matt Rad two weeks ago and um, I would like to know a bit a bit more of the science behind that and then blend it with like you, you don't want to know too much about these things just and blend it with feeling and intuition and the words that people are people are using. Yeah, um, I don't know that they're the same thing. I don't think I don't. Again, someone needs to correct me. That's an expert. I don't see intuition and the nervous system being the same thing. Mm-hmm. I think the nervous system is like what's actually being um, actually responding inside of us. And uh, like I said, on live with Matt Rad, I, I think I said it to him. I, we get the privilege of having 10 percent of like, this is reality, you know, mm-hmm. like 10% of what's actually happening in the body. Mm-hmm. We get mm-hmm. the privilege of saying, this is reality. And we think we have any control over it. You know, right. I, I believe we make choices. I don't, I just don't believe we have full control over really anything that comes out yeah. of our, 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 our mouths. Um, and there's ways to learn from mistakes and mitigate that. But the nervous, res- um, nervous system response is what I'm mostly excited about, most interested in how, how do you get all of that out of the way because you can actually feel the music, right? So mm-hmm. if we're talking about the creative process for me and music without feeling it. And you're just thinking about the tools or the tricks or what you've been taught or what you think you know or don't know or the music you've heard. You can't simply respond. You can't give it a proper amount of feedback right away without second guessing, right? So for, uh, yesterday we was talking about mixing with Ingmar. I mixed this song in two hours. I actually didn't take my own rules and I didn't really break. It was hardcore. Mm. And I was like, what do you think? And, and then I, I let him have, you know, he's like, oh, actually, I love what you did here. What if we just take this down a little bit, make some mm. room for this thing? And then we had, we had the right amount of um, collaboration, but I was just in it. I didn't second guess any move. I just did it. And that's, that's me practicing controlling my nervous system responses to external mm-hmm. stimulation. So when I'm in that quote unquote flow state, um, which I'm having a love hate relationship with the use of that word um, mm-hmm. after, after listening to Huberman talk a lot too. And just the idea that like, I've been saying this for years, once you acknowledge you're in it, that's when you're not in it. So you right. have to just be in it. And that's really hard to do because people that aren't familiar with it, they access it. They, they've no, notified themselves that they've accessed it and they're already out of it. They're already looking yep. at their phone and looking at Instagram. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. it takes about 15 to 20 minutes before the brain actually re- uh, reverts back to the task at hand. Yeah. So you have to actually block out time to focus on the creative process. So that's another mm. part to bring the process back in here. I, I think what you're saying, so 
I wasn't saying that intuition and the nervous system are connected. And I think you touched on exactly where they're related, which is one way to detract from being intuitive, making intuitive decisions, intuiting things is to have your nervous system going crazy all the time, and then acting upon creative work and then expecting that you're going to be in this flow state or something whether or not you acknowledge it, which is, again, another thing that's going to detract from being uh, using your intuition. Look, uh, it's like, it's as simple, it's as simple as, as nutrition, right? If you put a starch in your body, you're generating more serotonin, which is offering you more calmness. Mm. If you fast or have a, um, a really high protein diet, you're going to come at things with more alertness. It might mm. be too much alertness to the point mm. where you can't, you can't focus, right? So mm. there's like, there's a balance to your diet that can help control your nervous system. Are you inhaling longer than you're exhaling? If you're inhaling longer than your exhales, you're speeding up your heart rate, which can be good. Are you playing a sport? Are you competing? Are, are you trying to learn a new task? Are you trying to, to um, become really alert and agitate yourself so then you mm-hmm. could sleep later and process something? Or are you trying to come into these things really calm? Then you want to exhale longer than your inhales. Like we actually are learning in science new ways to control your nervous system to a degree. Obviously, like I said, we're privileged enough to have 10% awareness of what's actually happening, which is mind blowing. We have less perceived awareness of reality than we have water in our body. That's like, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And then, and then your brain making predictions, like for example, I'm thirsty right now. So I feel dehydrated because of tennis and then I had coffee and I'm going to take this sip of water. And I feel like, oh, satisfied. I'm satisfied. Yeah. It's going to take 20 minutes for the water mm-hmm. to go through me and my brain to say, you're not thirsty anymore. But mm-hmm. we, our brain makes predictions. So we have to train our nervous system and our brain to be comfortable mm-hmm. in these processes. Right. If we want to be, again, mm-hmm. some people don't want to be. If you're, play, if you're doing jujitsu, you want to be calm. You want to have, you want to have the, the, the mental acuity to, perceive the next move before you get put in a chokehold. Right. Um, I imagine, I, I don't know, if you're doing sprints, you're probably going to want to breathe, breathe and get your heart rate really high up. So you have that, that impulse, that, that alertness to beat someone by a millisecond. Like that's, I, I don't know where the, the cutoff is there, but when I'm making a record, I don't want to be anxious. That is when something I'm, I wanted to touch on because another person in art club mentioned that we were so we do this art club co-working club it's an all day it happened yesterday and it happened uh last month mm-hmm. we worked together the whole day and then last time i'm sorry the first time we did it we had art club right after and so i got to engage everyone about their creative work how did you feel during it some people felt good some people were a little stressed some people all varying degrees of it right mm-hmm. um I assume that you felt stressed before or anxious before during the creative process at some point. Is that accurate to say? Yeah. Um, do you carry those feelings still? Uh, and if not, what has been the process towards getting to the place of not having your nervous system on fire while trying to do mixing? What state do you feel like is the right state to be in while doing that creative work? Great questions. I have two two different answers. So I'll do, uh, the first one is it's rare that I feel anxious during a mix. Um, the only time that happens recently 
is when the rough mix is just such a such a thing it's just so it's either really like i just don't understand it or it's just way too loud and i'm just getting like a visceral negative response from it where i'm just not gonna beat it like there's and i should my answer to that should be yo nathaniel my manager for those who don't know Mm -hmm. just let's just bail on this like Mm -hmm. let's just Mm. give their money back or don't take any money and just don't do it. Like I'm not going to improve this record. So there's a way to cut that at the front, which is just Mm -hmm. don't do the things that make you feel that way. Right. Um, And the other way is external stimulation via some sort of um, message from someone that I forget to handle something before I went into the process. So there is like, Oh, a conversation that I forgot to have that I'm supposed to have or like, you know, you know, my, someone's sick and whatever just a right, right, way right. just something yeah. that's displacing um focus the and, and maybe that should be handled mm. before before mm. this uh and, and depending on deadline like should we stop doing what we're doing and handle that or do we have to power through because someone's expecting something and those are the two ways i can think about that other than that no yeah i i i try to maximize the control of the nervous system by meditation by nutrition by routine, by proper sleep. So this doesn't happen in the creative process because that's my happy place, you know? Right. That that flow, that that getting to be creative is where I'm like, I've been doing this since I was a kid, you know? Right. It's joyful. That's Uh, play. Well, that's the time to transition to. Yeah, Um, that's play. So let's talk about play for a bit. This has been something that has been really inspiring to me lately. Uh, hanging out with Rory's two children, they play the majority of the time. Well, yeah. the entire time that I see them, yeah. uh, there's about a window of 35 seconds where they eat and then they go back into playing. Yep. Uh, playing and being exposed to play on a weekly basis has not been something for me that I've experienced in a very long time. Um, so it has been very fascinating to me to see it in action in real time be a part of that in real time and learn and integrate, reintegrate, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. play into the work. Um, something that I was talking to Nathan about is when I was working on Dylan's logos, I see him in the in the chat right now. Yep. Mm-hmm. I made a section in the document I'm working on called Icon Playground and everything inside of there was fair game. I could draw anything I wanted it could be the most extremely ridiculous thing, nonsensical, as Spider had mentioned uh, the word to me the other day, or it could be so hyper thought about or somewhere in between. Um, and it gave me this space to say anything goes. Yeah. I'm wondering for you, has it always been play? Like, is it a conscious thing? Are you protecting, are you protective of that play? Um, I am. Yeah, I want to hear you on play for a bit. Yesterday was fun. Yesterday was straight play, uh, you know, live with Matt Rad, live with you right now. Like we just get to riff on ideas and concepts mm-hmm. and talk and 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 learn um, through each other, and that's great. And then when I went to mix mode with Ingmar, I'll just give one example. I mean, the whole t- it's an Afrobeat record. It, it sounds Ooh, like I'm in sick. I'm in Africa, and there's crazy percussion. Ooh. And in the rough mix, you just can't hear the bass. So for me to have fun, I turned the bass up and distorted it way too loud, like mm. to the point where I know it's not going to land where it's at. I'm doing yeah. it just to feel it like it's a 60s Mulatu um, at Stock A record or something. And mm-hmm. and I'm, I turned it up way too loud and I worked 
on every other element with the bass way too loud for the whole time until the end. And then I took it down and then I listened and I, I, I played through it, the bass down, like just a little bit. And then I listened again. I turned it down again and I turned it down again just to mm. see where things were, were going to line up. And I want to turning it back up. I think I want up splitting the difference from where it was at because that's just where it wanted to be, whatever. Mm. And, um, mm. I should mention that the artist like freaked out over the bass and was like, yo, no one's ever mixed with the bass that loud before. It's like what it's all about. Yes. Like, yeah, the bass was the record. But for me to feel it, I had to turn it up way too loud. So for you, you need to make some fucking crazy looking lines and whatever on a logo. So you can say, oh, I like that part of it. But yep. we might it might not be that loud in the final version. But like, look at how loud that was. Where can we how much of that can we keep? So that was my version of play yesterday. I protect it. That's why I'm going to get an Atmos rig in the studio because mm, I yes. want to mix. I want to mix full surround sound, even if it's not for money. I just want to have fun. Like that sounds like playgrounds. I mean, it's an audio playground. You've been sure. in an Atmos room. It's literally an at a sonic playground. I can put a sound anywhere in the room. I don't care if you can't hear it in headphones later on. Maybe one day you will. But if you come over my house, I'm going to press play for you. And that's going to be really fun. And we're all going to have a good time. I might even let you touch a knob. And oh, I'm going to touch that knob. Hell yeah. You know what I Hell mean? Yeah. Like yeah, you yeah. can play in that playground as well. Throw it over there. Yeah. You know, there's something as you were speaking, I wrote down exploring the bounds of the playground as inspiration. Mm. Um, and Jal just wrote, mm. um, it's all about inspiration where I guess we're on the same wavelength here. It's like, you can use yourself as inspiration if you create a space where you could play mm -hmm. and listen back and reflect on your own work and say, you know, like, oh, we went to the, the, the furthest this bass could go. And that was super inspiring. It actually should be louder than I ever thought it could have been. And then you dial it back based on taste and based on what works. But let's say, yeah, like, for the, for the mixers on the thread, we'll give one mix tip. The only way to have, um, a sonic playground in most modern mixes these days is to give yourself headroom. So you gain stage, in order for me, yeah, gain staging in order for you to get that amount of bass that I'm talking about, because I'm not talking about a subtle amount of bass. I had to bring everything down a lot so I could turn that bass up. And then I had to compensate by turning all the percussion and all the high shit back up to max the bass. But that bass level was right. And my intuition said this kind of record to get that bounce, we need bass. So we're talking about coloring outside the lines. At some point, we got to come back inside the lines to a degree, mm. but you got to go outside it to come back in. Right. To know what you're actually working with. Yeah. I think so often, and I want to talk about creative limits now. There are limitations in general, right? <clears throat> some are great and some are like, hey, you're a kid and you need to come home at eight o'clock. And that sucks. And mm -hmm. this the game that you were just playing, this game of tag needs to end. Mm -hmm. Even though you're squeezing out those extra five, we all know. Always, always. Always. You're like, mom, I'm not done yeah. yet. Yeah. There's there's still three guys left. Yeah. But <laughs> some, <laughs> some limitations are great. Some are not. I've been thinking a lot about the good ones. Um, and I think related to this is that if you think about the playground, you're always operating in a playground, whether or not it feels as though you are when you're doing this work, you're creating something new. But I think a lot of times there's this narrow sort of box you put yourself into 
whether that's just like be like John Castelli, that's my only limitation, but that's all of it. That's the entire limitation or be like anything ever and nothing and just myself and explore where I could go. Um, how do you think about limits? How do you think about creative limits? How do you integrate them in your process? Uh, riff on, on limits. Yeah. I want to almost, I want to almost cross over limits with feedback. Cause I know feedback was the mm. next, probably the next one because, cool. because I, oh, I set limits by have minimum amount of tools to use mm. and they might change every year, every couple of years, depending on what's new and fresh coming out, but I don't have every piece of software or plugin installed on my computer. I have just enough for me to move quickly um, and access to them at the snap of my finger. Like we were, we were a lot of, um, a lot of engineers setting up this sound flow app, um, mm -hmm. macro thing to do things with, with mm -hmm. one click. I've been faster than every one click by just doing the thing. Mm -hmm. Now let's take out the like bouncing stems and deliverables and the people that are doing that. That's fine. That's long. Mm -hmm. That's overnight shit. That's fine. But I'm, I can just get the plugin faster. Like I just right. type it in and it's just there and whatever. And those are imposed based on what works. So when I do something and either I get a reaction or my client gets a reaction, mm. then I know that tool works. So I'm going to use that tool and then I'm going to delete other tools. So I limit myself by having a minimum do uh, required dose um, of, of, of a tool set. Now, when you're in a certain genre too, there are things that aren't going to work, right? So if you're in a super dark rap genre, you're not going to use bright delay effects. Mm. You're going to use darker mm. ones. So I know, I know what effects to use in a certain genre. That's not going to make the artist go, that's too shiny. Like, why the mm -hmm. fuck does it sound mm -hmm. like that? That's not fit. But that's again, that's intuition. So you're setting your limits based on intuition and taste and judgment mm -hmm. um, and perception, right? So now that kind of that's where i want to cross over into feedback you need to you need to be okay with not taking things personally right so if you say your own limitations and your own and there's no creative bounds you're just making moves right i just mix i just mix this whole album and like most of the songs the producer was like can you just i mean tight delay i kind of see can you just mute that delay? like mm. i don't care i worked yeah. hard on the delay i don't mm. care it's not gonna it didn't make or break it. I thought it was a cool transitionary moment into a saw into a, a section of a song. Like whatever. Part of the limits are understanding that it's not your record. Right. Mm. So now if you're mm. I see. You're, but if you're painting from the beginning, you're the designer, you're the producer, and you're doing it for you, this is a different conversation. So I'm kind of talking from the perspective of um not full service industry, like you have creative input. The commercial like, artist, yeah. The commercial artist. Um, it's not my, I'm not singing the song on stage at the Troubadour mm -hmm. when it reopens. So like, it's not my record, but it's, I'm going to inject my aesthetic into the record because they're coming to me for that most of the time. Mm. And I try to keep it simple. So I do limit myself to a certain amount of tools, a certain amount of time. If it takes me more than a day, usually more than four hours before I, I get feedback from someone, I think something's wrong. Mm. Um, that's a trigger for me to say, either I'm not the right fit for this or like the production is so whack, like something's wrong. It took me so much work to mix an 808 and a bass drum the other day, which is so up my alley. I never yeah. get notes on that stuff. It took me more than two hours to get that right 
and only notes throughout the process were about the 808. And, and, and like mm. the last chorus was different than the first chorus. Like I knew it. Like I knew that would be the feedback. The other feedback was like, hey, I think the vocal could come up 0.5 in the bridge. It's like easy shit. But but a broad note was 808's not right. I was like, it wasn't right in the production either. You know, and I did my best to solve it. But so if it's taking me longer than normal to do something, there's some weak link in the process that is out of my control. Right. I love that. Um, oh, there's two. There's so many things I want to go on. Um, I love this idea of how you identify where process is needed is where or how process is helping is where you're able to diagnose a problem ahead of time or in that moment um, where you're like, OK, well. Most of the time when this process is run, that is not the area of problems. So if it is an area of problems, it's an indicator that there's something else happening. The source material. Early on, if you're early on, it might just be that you're hitting problems more often in the process. Um, But eventually, if you've been running this and it's been the success rate is 98%, then a problem is an indicator of something else. But it gives you that ability to say, okay, I don't think it's me. It might be me open to it. It might be something else. Let's figure out it. What I think I think it's me because they're sending it to me, hoping I'll fix the problem. True. But it doesn't it doesn't take away that there was a problem to begin with. Yes. You know, and by the end of it, I solved the problem based on doing what was better for the song, which was turning it down. Mm -hmm. But in their version of the record, it was really loud. But like, actually, the artist wanted it quieter. And I didn't realize that. So I'm trying to push it up as loud as it can go. And it's like, it's actually more of a pop record. So we don't need the 808 to be that loud. But I solved it by reduction. But I was Mm -hmm. trying to be bold and keep it loud, but more control. Anyway, I like what you just said. It's better. Um, It's all good. All of it's good. I think I'm getting a lot of value from this. I have a, I love my notes. This is a playground, my notebook. I love talking about process. I like to not use the word anymore. Yeah, I like, I like, I think that I wish that people thought about it more instead of asking on live, you know, on live threads, like, yo, what do you, why are you, what, what do you do it on the vocal? It's like, mm, what's the, that's not the, that's not it. I'm yeah. listening. The process is listening yeah. and understanding taste. Is this, is this an eighties influence record? Do I need to put an H3000 on this vocal? Is that what they were looking for when they tried to make it wide by doing a fake widener? That sounds weird and phasey. No, they were looking for this thing. They were looking for a genre reference. They were, they were aiming for something that they didn't know how to do right. And that's what I'm supposed to do. So right. that's the process. Yeah. Figuring out what's needed as it comes down to the mix. I mean, that's the first thing you got to be doing. Like, that's your job. I and mean, that's literally like you show up at McDonald's and you don't want to work at the register and you have to work at the register. Like that's your job. That's just part of what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. And so to ask someone what to do there is like, sure, maybe that can help inform where you go, but it shouldn't be the thing that like, that shouldn't be the first time you're hearing this or even thinking about it. Um, it yes. And you, you should find the balance to explore and then integrate and learn, oh, how is he doing it? Oh, that's interesting. Now I can integrate that in the thing I've already explored. Not just like, what did he do? Okay, add that. What did that guy do? Add that. That's not you. That's a weird amalgamation of other people. And that's still not you. You can, people might package it up and say, no, that's all my inspiration. But no, that's just not you at all. There's no intuition there. Um, yeah. uh, the name of this chapter is One Mic, Five Fonts, and Seven Days. So- Mm. 
This is a chapter about Motown, Massimo Vignelli, and Matt Stone and Trey Parker of South Park. So mm-hmm. Motown used, according to Rory, one microphone to record almost everything they did. Mm-hmm. Massimo Vignelli used five fonts throughout his entire design career. He's one of the most famous designers, designed the entire New York City subway map and signage. And then um, still to this day, they updated it, Pentagram updated it a little bit, kind of full circle moment for mm-hmm. um, the guy that worked under Massimo. He now works at Pentagram and he got to oh, nice. it. And then uh, seven days is the time it takes from for the South Park team to write, yep. digitize, get legal approval, yep. animate, and launch their episode. Um, so yeah, I was just thinking about pressure in the creative process. Um, where is it good? Where is it bad? Um, Love like pressure. Studio, but yes, Neumann. K-86. K-86. Nice. Sick. I, lo- I love this. I, I mean, I work best... Um, on Saint, not I don't know about best. So that's that's actually I should just pause on that. Mm. Um, I I work really well in same day high pressure uh, circumstances. Mm. I love. I, I mean, a week sounds like a lot for a song. I'm down for a day, and it's got to be to mastering. Um, yeah, I just love. I love that. I love, people aren't second guessing. We're just going. There's trust in the room. Mm-hmm. That uh, I actually just on that note, I basically only use five plugins, right? So I only use five tools regularly. There's a couple that um, that jump on for specific needs, but I use five regularly. I could probably name them. It's not important for this conversation, no. but at max, there's ten plugins that are used at the same time. And I almost did a. I'm like trying to not always like do Instagram posts because already our world was getting noisy with what people do on their fucking Pro Tools and Ableton sessions. Mm. But I was going to be like, yo, check out what I did on the bass. And the bass had nothing on it. It was just turned up. <laughs> and I was like, that's what I did. I turned no, up the bass. No EQ or anything. No, no EQ. There was nothing. It. Not now. There's EQ on the on the solid, on the final master. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a, that's a, that, that's a, a, a global yeah. um usage yeah. of eq that's an aesthetic of, of mine and that was enough but the bass had nothing on it just zero on it Love and that. it sounded great like it, it's present it when doesn't... players can play and engineers can engineer and the yeah. content coming in is at a high quality yes you oh my can... God, I love, and i love this nugga tell you not gonna tell you the name of the plugin so i'm just not yeah. gonna tell you <laughs> i'm gonna tell you that's Don't. hilarious <laughs> Yeah, Mike Miller is going to actually um, leak Answer all of the me. plugins. Mike, can you uh, write the five fake plugins that John uses in the chat? Yes, please. For the, everyone? One knob, the one knob is, has to be on the list. The waves, one knob. It does everything. It's the only plugin. It's like Motown uses one mic. I only mix with the waves, one knob filter. <laughs> That's it. Um, <laughs> you know, Spider always says, find your four about finding your four closest friends that you can confide in about things and go deep on things. And, you know, to the same advice to, to Nug- Nugatelia, mm. um, find your five. You know what I mean? Find your five. Like, like Spider's not saying find your four as in you have to be best friends with the four of us. Find your five best friend plugins that you use that get the best yeah. out of you that get that 98% success rate yeah, and use those. And that's it. And that's success. Um, something they talk about in managing, uh, managing oneself. Uh, he says, do things and in the future, make sure 
you analyze the outcomes of those things. And if they're successful, then it was a success. Mm -hmm. So it's not about, if you use John's 10 plugins or five, you may not be successful in your career. You may not have career success in terms of whatever it is that you're aspiring for, because everyone's optimizing for things differently. Everyone's using things differently. Every client is different. So there's not a guarantee. And so instead find, find the things that work for you and work for your clients and lead to the success that you're seeking. And I think that to me is, is what the five months Massimo use don't need to be the ones I use. Yeah. Some of them are, I love Futura. I love Helvetica. You use them, but I'm not using them. Everyone uses them. Yeah. <laughs> everyone uses the FabFilter Pro Q3 to mix. Right. It's not right. a secret. Use good EQ. It's a great EQ. It's fucking good. Use it. It doesn't make you a better mixer, though. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. You are not your plugins. You're but I was count. Plugins. I was counting. Yeah. I actually only use five. Wow. That's all. Yeah. There's like a couple of effects that might show up, but it's basically five plugins. It's actually kind of awesome. Massimo Castelli. What yeah, exactly. narrow down the choices in your case? Oh yeah. Like, I said yeah. it earlier. Uh, uh, reactions to my nervous system and to my clients. So I was making moves. Taste yeah. and judgment is what you had written. Or I yeah, written. exactly. Um, and it just, I just, I use things and I would use another thing. Like someone hit me up the other day about this voice of God plugin. I was like, I haven't used that in four years. Like that shit did not, people would be like, what's, what's going on on the bass? There's some weird subharmonic distortion. I was like, oh, there it is. X, like uninstall from the mm. computer. Don't mm. fucking use that. There's a better way to do it. So I learned a better way to get that subharmonic thing right. just the cleaner. But like that tool didn't make the cut. But I tried it. I used it for a while. And I, ca I came back to it because I heard people use the tool. So I, I try tools that people say that they use just to understand why they're using it. And then I try to find a better way to do it for myself, not for everybody. If you get great results with that tool, keep using the tool. Right. If you get a 98% success rate, that's good. That's yeah. what we're, we're optimizing for. And if you're happy with it, if you're 100% happy with what you did and you're getting a 98% success rate, dope. That's great. And if every plugin is different than every other mix engineer ever, great. It's fine. It's okay. I, I think, think also, it, there you go. You know, I, I think when people, these things happen uh, in parallel, like when people look for the answer from someone else, they're totally unempowering themselves because so much can be intuited. It really, really can. I mean, music is a art form that goes right to your soul, right to your nervous system and has a reaction. And if you mix or you design, designs the same thing, right to your, your nervous system mm -hmm. or your soul, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. Very different things. I think people might- One exists and one doesn't. <laughs> That's what I mean. But some people might might like the word and I'm going to let them have it. Um, but you need to give your soul to it or you need to give your nervous system to it. Be intuitive with it. Don't overthink it. Don't try to integrate. They like add things on just because someone's doing it. I think that's that's the key. And and where these things start to intersect, the the limits, the nervous system, the intuition. Let's minimize the noise. There's already so much noise. If we minimize the noise in the process, I think you'll have more fun in your process. Yes. I think there's got to be chaos to some degree, like turning that bass up and distorting the whole mix for, for the first mm -hmm. hour was fun and chaotic, but I knew it wasn't going to stay that way. Right. 
it was controlled that chaos. Staying, controlled chaos. Uh, but it wound up staying closer to the loud uh, feeling than it did to a, the quieter feeling of the original version, right? So, like, there was a lot of merit in that, uh, of making that, that chaos happen. But controlled chaos, yeah. Because you knew, like, you knew you were dialing it back. You weren't like, oh, shit, like, the bass is too loud. Like, I don't even know what I just did. There's no way I can get this back. I don't even know where I'm going. Like, that's chaos. Yeah. This is more of this control. That actually gets to another, I think it's a section in the book. It was initially a chapter. And it's mm. called order to, cha- order to Chaos. No, sorry. Chaos to Order, Order to Excellence. And it's about this journey that the commercial artist makes where they don't know what they're doing, but they're intuiting things. They then know a lot about what they're doing, but they're less intuitive. And then the, and a lot of people just live and die there. There's this third phase of excellence, which I've observed in you and others, but you're on the call. So let's talk about you. (laughs) To get to that point of excellence is by now integrating the two things that worked when you were brand new, And when you learn technically what to do, intuition with technical, forgetting both of them, just going with it. And I think it's Mm -hmm. funny because it sounds like it's like, well, don't do anything. Just fucking hit a bunch of keys. It's like, no, there's so much thought. There was chaos. There was order. Now there's excellence. It's in that process. So you can't just leap to the excellence. It, It is a process of finding and then integrating. So, well, I know... I mean, that's a great way to, that's actually a really great place to close. That's your show. So cool. We have one minute left. Well, thank you so much. I will see you tonight. Yeah. Um, can't wait. Have an espresso ready for me. Uh, sure. <laughs> because Absolutely. I have calls back to back today, but it's going to be good. Uh, dude, absolute pleasure. Uh, we always have great combos. I was very excited to have a one-on-one. Um, and thank you for inspiring more sections of the book. Let's do it again. Inspiring 23 other people that are on. Thanks everyone that watched. Uh, Every Wednesday, I'm going to be doing this at 11 a.m. Next week, I think is either Greg Matthews, who's an artist, or Lane Banning, who is a producer. So stick around. I'm going to be adding more people in the upcoming weeks. Have a great day. Bye, everyone.